0: This is a post Christian podcast.
1: We are the Sacred Collective. All are respected, all are heard, all are welcomed. Join us.
2: Welcome to the Sacred Collective. Um, let's do roll call. I'm Brian, Joshua, Caleb. Eric is here.
3: Katelyn.
2: Uh, Amanda's Woo-hoo. making some tea, and, and
3: so she'll be here. Ava's and little
2: coaching. Ava's there too. So if you hear a little, little uh, doll face. Um, I, what I want to, what we want to talk about, I came up with this because I'm a little uh, using the word triggered um, about the state of the church in America. I can't say for other countries, but for ours, and. I think a lot of us here in the room would agree that the American church is in decline. Um, And most of us here have either been to college or seminary and can probably attest to see that that's true. I mean, I have some questions that kind of lead us, but before we kind of jump into it, does anybody have any probing thoughts or questions or anything they want
3: to... I was up late in the middle of the night one night because I had to go to the bathroom and I couldn't go back to sleep, so I was watching YouTube. And in my feed popped up this thing from what was it like PBS I wanna say or I think it was PBS about the decline of the church in America and all of the different reasons why people our age and younger aren't going to church and it was really interesting and I sent it to probably at like two in the morning <laughs> hoping that it wouldn't wake him up and I was like, oh, that would be interesting for us to think about or talk about or whatever. But I, unfortunately, didn't send it to you the rest of you. You put that little seed in my mind. I know. Unfortunately, I didn't send it to anybody else because it was, it was 2 in the morning. He didn't really want it. So, you know, like, just saying. Bye. When I think what
2: that part of that <laughs> conversation or that article and then part of um, some, qu- or some conversations I've had this past week with some people in my tradition and others have made me really question and really doubt, um, a lot of people who are in quote unquote, you know, church really care about the betterment or improvement of church, of whatever, whatever church is. Um, and I guess I'll just, I guess one kind of thought that I had that I wanted to bring up is why do we think that the American church is in such a decline? I mean, I know it's kind of a loaded question, but just all, like gut feeling, why do you, why do we think that it's
4: in such a decline? Ugh, I think that there's like a hundred potential factors. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I mean when I think about that question so like so many things come to mind from like um dissatisfaction with like the church's ability or desire or efficacy to respond to like real life issues that people are facing I think a big thing is is also just like how at least at least among kind of the more conservative fundamental branches which is mm-hmm. probably what most people associate with Christianity is right. like conservative fundamental evangelical kind of like right wing stuff um, I mean I think if you were having a conversation with a primarily republican audience the answers might be different. There there might be pushback to if the church is declining or not. Um, but from my perspective, I think that's a big reason is seeing how in bed the church and the Republican Party are with each other. I think that's a big turnoff for, for a lot of people.
2: Well, I mean, just look at this last election in 16, where, what was it, 81% of evangelicals, white evangelicals voting for Trump. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's the highest it's ever been, you know, higher than George W., higher than any other, yeah, you know, Republican president, which is just staggering.
5: I think what comes to mind for me is that religion is primarily about identity and not about belief. And through the 70s and 80s and 90s, there's a huge push for authenticity and for people to, like, stand up for what they really believed in, Yeah, you know, whether it's through cinema or, um, you know, books, um... Or through teaching, through you know, different civil discords, people become accustomed to to smelling bullshit, and to to being attuned to it, and not more. You know, um, like well, the priest says this, but he doesn't do it. And it's, before, you couldn't hold that person accountable, and now you can. So when you're holding your leaders accountable, and you just see that they don't they don't believe anything that they're saying, there's just something that. Our, I think our generation, in particular, doesn't want to have anything to do with that. Right. We're we just we don't have time for that. We don't have time to to fake all this shit. We'd rather have real, authentic relationships, even if they're messy and difficult, than mm-hmm. have just be having lies. Yeah. Like, we're just sick of that. I mean, that's why that's why I think we're much more okay with divorce. We're much more okay with um, all sorts of things that used to be taboo. Yeah. In this country, um,
4: I would say I think there's even. And this might be reflective of my own journey, like where I'm at personally right now. But I I would say there's almost more of a focus on a desire for authenticity and genuine, genuineness now than I've, than I ever <clears throat> remember. Um, but yeah, I think people are like, I don't want to deal with this bullshit. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm tired of. I'm tired of like, yeah, like what you said, like not, not walking the walk, you know, like, oh, they, they say this, but I see this. Um, and I think, I think there's a lot of peripheral stuff. that's not, that's not part of the church, but it's part of society that is really kind of like holding a mirror up to the church, like things like the Me Too You movement, uh, Black Lives Matter things with foreign policy, all these, all these things that like, as American Christians are saying, okay, here's these things that are happening outside of the church and I'm in the church and there's, there's a disconnect somewhere. There's something that doesn't fit. Um, And I think, yeah, I mean, I think kind of the analogy of holding a mirror up, it's like, what, what's going on in the world that is showing the church how wrong it is. Countless things, and I think that's a big, a big part of of why people are. I also think the
5: limiting. the two giant sex scandals, you know, have something to do with the two. Mm-hmm. A place where people once felt safe is no longer a place of comfort. Mm-hmm. Like even using the word "trigger," we're we're talking about an institution that's been around for two thousand years, you know. But like you talk about coming out of it, and you're like, yeah, it's traumatized to be. I think taking trauma seriously too, because I don't think people did that. Mm -hmm. People didn't have a voice. People couldn't do this. People couldn't podcast. Mm -hmm. You know, people couldn't express their opinions openly and fluently. And you can realize you're not alone. It's so when you don't have a voice, it's so easy to to make you feel alone and isolated. It's so much easier to control you. Yeah,
4: I think there's also something to be said for kind of maybe maybe um, like a critical mass, like. Like, there's all these things that have kind of been, like, simmering and, like, working in the culture and stuff. And at a certain point, it's kind of like there's this tipping point where there's not, like, necessarily a big event or issue that you can point to. Say that's when it changed and people started leaving the church. It's just kind of like we got to a tipping point where there's just so many things and so many areas that have started to, like, add up and add up and add up. Yeah,
5: yeah then we had a reformation. We just did the same thing again. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny how most of people's responses to this is just start their own new thing. Mm-hmm. But we'll just start a better community. It's like, well, the same shit that you take with you, the same sh- darkness that was in your original group is going to come with you, because that's what people do. We bring our baggage with us.
1: And I feel like that's made the church even more divided. Sure. Because it's like, yes, different denominations, and if you even factor in political views, you because know, there are obviously some churches who are very much tied in, because there's a lot of Not even just political views, but there's a lot of social issues that, you know, kind of gets tied to, like, one side, like, liberal, conservative, you know, church denominations. But I feel like, you know, kind of echoing what was said is that it's, yeah, it's like if you don't agree with something instead of realizing that, yes, you're not going to agree with everything or try and figure out why you don't agree and talk things out, then... It's like, well, they don't understand me, they don't get me, and I'm just gonna start something different, and then that doesn't solve whatever your problem or your issue was, and, yeah, I mean, and instead of being in the mess. Yeah. And I feel like the church has become a lot less of a community and more self serving and self centered. Where mm-hmm. I mean you you know, if you have if you have like a big issue like Kind of like Josh, you said there are certain things that were taboo before, where now, kind of more our generation is kind of like, yeah, we're fine with these things because that's that's what life is. But I think a lot of the a lot of things that people are going through in their life, whether they're major events or just everyday life things, that you know they feel like they're gonna get their problems put in the spotlight or they're gonna get pushed out of whatever whatever church or, you know, group that they're part of. So they're probably just kind of thinking, well, I'm not going to... I'm not going to get too involved in this community. I'm not going to share my life because I don't want it to get too messy. And, you know, either people are going to criticize you or they're just going to ostracize you. And people don't want to... No one wants to deal with rejection. But it's almost like you look at different denominations or more liberal or more conservative denominations and it's less about finding what you have in common and finding those strengths to connect you to each other as, you know, like the church as a whole and more of, well, this church is different or this denomination is different. So what can, what can we do to make us seem better than them to, you know, and the church is pushing itself apart.
0: Yeah. I feel like if you're asking why is the American church, um, falling apart or why is it like disintegrating or why is it, um, becoming less effective or or less maybe popular? I think you first have to, to kind of define, um, what it looks like when it is being successful. So when, when the American church is successful, does that mean that it has more bodies, you know, in the door, it's making more money, it is having more cultural impact on society. It is saving souls. There's like a tally on the book of life and the churches in America and Western culture are the ones that are adding the most tally marks to that count. You know, I feel like to to ask that question, you kind of have to take a couple steps back and say, well, what, what is success then if we're not succeeding? Or if the church in America is not succeeding, then what does success look like? And I think I see hope in that, in the idea that maybe that success can be adaptive and can be reactive and, and can be redefined. Um, but as far as it not meeting the needs that it used to meet. Well, yeah, it it used to be, it was, it was founded upon, you know, puritanical values and, uh, antiquated gender roles and, um, you know, social constructs. Yeah. Slavery. And I I was getting there slowly, but yes, to to cut to the chase. Yes. Slavery. And, uh, you know, like, like burning gay people on a stick of wood that you tie them to, you know like if you really want to get down to it like you can you can directly affiliate those things with puritanical Christianity, which is uh, what you usually associate with american christianity and and so so there's that for one thing, but then nowadays why do we see a decline in in attendance, I guess or in success, however you want to label it? I feel like it's more a lack of being able to keep up with. With progressive issues, which I think a lot of uh, conservatives would say, oh that means that they're not compromising and so they're not keeping up with the progressive issues they're they're not willing to to change how they think about things, but at the same time, I, I think that uh, that something dies off of it if it is no longer relevant, and so I think that's kind of maybe the, the long and short of it is mm. that there's a lack of relevance. Well, and kind of what you were
2: saying, Caleb, is, I think you hit it, you know, the nail on the head, is, it's, it's, church isn't relevant to a lot of the younger generations, ours included, and I would say even what do you call, like, Gen Y and other ones, is, I feel like, to me, like, everyone's so busy, we're even more busier than... Probably like our parents, when they were our age, were even more busy with stuff that we need to do with work or whatever. And then when you tell us, oh, you need to come to church every Sunday or as many Sundays as you can or volunteer and do whatever. And we've said this off mic and stuff too before we started recording, that it's like I don't think people would have a problem going to church or being part of a spiritual community if it was relevant to them. And I'm not saying that Jesus isn't relevant to people. But Jesus can be relevant in different ways, you know, in a small group, in, you know, intentional community, through theology, whatever. But I think what happens within the church, and I'm talking mainline evangelicals across the board, is the, the, the relevancy of, I think, Christianity to a lot of the younger denominations is just, it's not there. You're not telling us why we need to you know and Josh has said this for a long time and I've always you know loved what you said, Josh is like you you know you're seminary trained, you almost have a demon, you have a master's and you could be you know teaching doing something in the church, doing whatever, but you're purposely choosing to help the community you know with with food shelf and and, and, and feeding the poor something that's so that I would say the scripture calls Christians and people to do. And you've even said, you know, I could be making more money cooking or doing something else, but you're passionate about doing that because food is a human basic need. We all need to eat to survive. But I feel like that's another, that's another layer is where like, you know, I hear people in the church being like, Oh, give money to our capital campaign or, you know, pre you know, people preaching on tithing. And I'm like, Why would I want to give money to the church if you can't do the basic thing that Scripture tells us to do is to feed the poor and, you know, help the homeless, help the orphan to the widow? You know, those things that are so poignant that we need to do. And that's the reason why I, you know, left the church for so many years is I was like, we're not doing the basic principles of what our quote unquote faith calls us to do. And I think that's what the younger generation is doing too is where like you preach this Jesus, but, and it's kind of like the whole Gandhi phrase, I have no problem with your Jesus. It's the Christians I have a problem with because your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And that's, that haunts me because it's true because so many, not all, but so many Christians are like, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. And it's like, well, what are you doing to help other people? And it's like, well, what do you mean? I go to church, I tithe. That's not helping other people. That's helping yourself. That's helping your church, but it's not helping the greater good of humanity.
4: Yeah, I think something I was just thinking of a few minutes ago is like, I think for a lot of people like talking about like how we're so busy, it's like, I I think back to my childhood, we'd go to like church on Sunday. We'd go to youth group on Wednesday. Some we, sometimes we go to church another day a week. It's like, think about that now. Like I don't have time. I don't have time to do that. Like, church is a church is a burden, yeah. and when church is a burden, or when you've got something that's a burden, and you're like trying to figure out how to do your life, those are the things you cut out first. Yeah, absolutely. And well, so, if church isn't relevant, or life giving, or encouraging, or edifying, edifying. Yeah, yeah you know church words, right? you know like so so yeah like like our generation we're like okay i've got x number of hours in the week i've got a through z to do Mm -hmm. what am i going to start cutting out so i can have time to do the things that are Mm -hmm. important and meaningful and like life affirming and like that i have priority and like people aren't prioritizing church because it's not relevant I think yeah, I well, think that's a church good. Church used
5: to be your only social network.
4: Yeah, right. you know it was the only game in town. Now it
5: can't compete with Instagram. <laughs> you know, like sad, sad to say, but like mm-hmm. people love their phones
4: a lot more than they love their congregations. Mm-hmm. Which is funny because then churches try to compete with Instagram, and then church becomes like a marketing social. How can we get a photo that's like going to get the most likes? And it's like okay, then it like yeah. starts divulging into whole something else. Yeah. Different. I just found
5: out that the largest church in the Twin Cities pays their employees shit and doesn't do doesn't cover their health costs it's the largest church in the twin cities There are eight i think seven or eight locations you know who i'm talking about but i'm not going to talk about it <laughs> no, sued. Um, we know who you're talking i just about. found out they don't that, pay health insurance they don't know oh, so this fuck. couple i was talking to one works there and the other one works at h&m and they use his health benefits because they're better wow please
1: no way. H&M? Yeah,
5: the, the retail store. Oh, oh my gosh.
1: Under health insurance, on so like their employee handbook, does it just say pray?
5: Yeah. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> she should be like, if you had enough faith, you wouldn't get sick anyway. Yeah, right. all <laughs> no, your it's insane. And pregnancy's a gift, but there's no complications. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, so I thought that was... that was <clears> interesting. <nice. throat> I think it's funny because... Mm-hmm. So I work at two churches, which I won't name, but one of those churches... If you look at their website, here's our story. The second part is our food shelf. So if that's their like one of their big goals that they're really, really, really interested in doing, why do they outsource it to a secular organization like me to do it? Right? Is it impossible to figure out how to make a food shelf? Right. Could you not go to another food shop and say, "Excuse me, sir, yeah. how do you do this? Uh. Oh, that's interesting. Let's go to a few more. Right. And we can find a way to do it." Yeah. Or do they
1: think the people in their congregation wouldn't be interested in working or volunteering there because they're not personally benefiting from it? So it's like we have to.
5: Well, we have to outsource. It's also the it. telling part about it is because most of the congregation doesn't live in the community. Mm. Mm. Yeah, is. You've got a popular pastor. You know, people driving from the burbs, you know, to the scary east side. Oh. I feel like
1: that's something that's also changed the landscape of the church with just like that, like, community social aspect is, you know, especially living, you know, in the Twin Cities, people might work in one part of the Twin Cities, live in another part and go to church somewhere else. And so it's, it's not anymore more where you go to church, usually in your neighborhood, like, yeah. in your community, so you don't have, like, those ties, which I grew up doing that because I grew up in a small town, and it was the only Assemblies of God, you know, church in town, and so it's like a lot of point. those people there that, like, I went to, you know, like, like Sunday school and then youth group and stuff, and there was one middle school, and there was one high school, you know, for the town, so... I went to school. I went to school, you know, with all these, you know, people, you know, and saw them, you know, like on Sunday night, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and like Friday night prayer service, like, you know, so you had like that there is that sense of community, but it's it's a lot more rare that you actually see people now at a church where majority of that congregation lives in that community, so they're they're interacting with each other on a regular basis outside of that designated service time.
5: Yeah, and you brought up another point. Like small town America is dying too. Mm-hmm. So, and that's churches were like the backbones of small towns. Mm-hmm. You know, like in my town, you were if you were Baptist, you were a weirdo. <laughs> You're either Lutheran or Catholic for the most part. Right. We didn't have any other options. So I was I played for the RCC team. So. But, I mean, that also something, you didn't didn't choose that, now people, a lot of folks didn't grow up going to church, so they don't really have a reference point. Like, Catholic churches are milestones, like, you remember, like, I remember my first communion in second grade, I remember getting confirmed, I remember doing Mm, my first confession, I remember going through the sacraments, you know, and Mm -hmm. doing all that stuff. Um, And it was, like, different, you know, benchmarks of, this is when you're this kind of person, this is when this happens, this is, you know, when you, you know, do this, this, that um, and it's kind of laid out to try to take care of you from the cradle to the grave, where evangelical churches aren't set up that way.
2: I'm not just going to say that evangelical churches don't get it, because I, I think that they don't get it, but mainline churches aren't getting it either. And
5: Did The we, Methodist church just split.
2: Yeah, the Methodist church just split. Um, that's that's been... It has been a long time coming and it might be healthy, but I mean, you know, the UMC voted down and I would say a good, and it's just the same thing with my denomination too, where predominantly urban, suburban churches and congregations vote for being gained, you know, open and affirming on, on, on GLBTQI plus and more small town churches are like, no, like we're not going to do that and the umc church more or less came out and they're like well we're this is what we're going to do and then all the big you know population of the umc who are more smaller towns and rural are saying well no we're gonna we're gonna be we're gonna be methodist but we're gonna be our subset which has happened through i mean church splits denominational splits have happened for centuries i mean it's something that we do as people we don't like each other so what do we do instead of working it out I'm going to split and be different from you.
3: The, the same thing happened with the ELCA 10 years ago. Yeah. And it decimated the ELCA for a long time. And that, that vote it's happened still, in Minneapolis. I know. People are still recovering. Yeah. The ELCA still hasn't recovered from what happened. No. Because the, <laughs> the economy burst at the same time. Yeah.
2: Well, and I'll say this. And Caleb and I had talked about this. So I grew up, obviously, don't want to beat a dead horse, but growing up evangelical, growing up ag. I would say more evangelical churches, their theology is very conservative, but actually the events that they do, like church camps, um, other events that they do are very liberal. Like, someone will be like, hey, I want to bring a whole bunch of punk bands, Christian punk bands in, or heavy metal bands. They'll, churches will be like, mm, we might not like that, but hey, if it's going to reach people, if people are going to have a good time, let's go do it, right? They'll take a chance, and they'll be like, whatever. And it's not even being hit, but they're like... Hey, we care about the young people in our church, but then you have progressive churches and I, whatever label, whatever denomination, put that in there, and they'll be like, "Well, our our theology is super progressive, uh, you know, A, B, C, D, you know, this BC. is what we are," and but then so their theology, okay, su- their theology is super progressive, but then they want to be like, "Why don't we have any youth in our church? Why don't we have any young adults?" Why don't we have this, this, and this? And I'm like, yeah. your theology is so mm-hmm. liberal and progressive, but the way you do church, yeah. the way you do ministry, the way you do community mm-hmm. is so conservative. And because the way you do it is so conservative, by default, you, you ostracize yourself right. into this close, segmented group. And then you come to people like me and be like, hey, why isn't this happening in our churches? Why isn't growth happening? And you're like, because you're boring. Exactly. You're boring. You're not going back to what Eric and I and others no said. The board from you're,
4: the board. you're not
2: making it relevant <laughs> to us. You know, if we have to cut things out, we're... All, every, 50, everyone is busy in their life. A through Z. And what is the first thing we're going to cut out? Like Eric said, we're going to cut out church. We're going to cut out these things that take time away from our family, from the things, that, like our own self-care, what we want to do. And then the church is like, well... Why, why don't you want to be a part of our church? Why don't you want to tithe? Why don't you want to do this and this? And it's like, because. Because you're it's it's boring. It's, uh, it's not relevant to us anymore. And I can actually teach myself, in essence, what you're teaching me. And I don't have to get up at the ass crack of dong on a Sunday morning to go to church. And that's another thing. Whoever created church early on a Sunday morning should be slapped in their face. Because I have to get up every day to go to work. Why on one of my days off do I want to get up at eight o'clock in the morning to get ready to go to
4: church? Come on, <laughs> seriously. I think also, uh, just think about it, not just relevancy but also value. Like, if it's not bringing value to me, and this this might be uh, uh, this could be a whole other conversation. Maybe this is like some like seepage over from just like American consumerism, but like, I, like. If I'm going to spend my, t- if I'm going to pick what I'm spending my time on, it's going to be things that bring value to me. I'm not going to like waste time, even if it's relevant. If it's not bringing me anything or like doing me any good, or f- or if I feel like that's what its job is, and I feel like a lot of people, um, have this kind of sense of like obligation to church, like oh I. I'm obligated to go to church because I have to, that's like my requirement to be a good Christian and to get into heaven or to like do what I'm supposed to do. And I think people are kind of wising up being like, that's stupid. Like, well, I think people are getting, I think this might be part of, part of my answer to why the American church is fading is people are getting smarter. Yeah. Or more informed or more exposed. Yeah. Or just, like, questioning the church. Like, I had this idea, like, um, kind of trying to talk to – I was talking to someone who I'm kind of, like, new friends with um, and just kind of talking through my story, like, where I'm at and kind of about, like, why – I mean, a lot of things, like, why I don't like being – like, I hesitate even being associated with Christianity and, like, because of what kind of, like, the typical cultural association is. Like, when someone says, I'm a Christian, like – There's all of these things that people already just jump to assumptions, right? Um, But kind of talking about like deconversion or at least deconstruction, um, it's kind of like 2,000 years ago, there was this thing. There was this group of people. There was this idea. There was this like concept. And it was kind of like this thing. And it was built around something. And over the years, it kind of like grew and changed and morphed and started moving. And like the thing that it was built around is still in one spot. But this thing that has come from it is like starting to move and like sometimes it moves away. Sometimes it grows. Sometimes it kind of like spreads and strays. And then like I think a huge turning point in the church was Constantine and like the kind of like I think that was when church and state really started having an affair with each other.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. very
4: true. And ever since then, it's kind of like this this cloud or or bubble or nebulous thing has been moving farther and farther away from the point at which it started. And I feel like I'm at a point where I'm like, okay, I have to step back and get away from this thing. And what my goal, my intention, kind of like my desire is to just like kind of take a step back and be like, okay, where's this point that it started at? That's what I want to look at. That's what I'm interested in. And so from the perspective of within this this cloud, it looks like me or other people who are leaving are leaving the church or leaving the faith or being deconverted or are sinners or are heretics, whatever you want to say. Yeah. But from my perspective, I'm saying what you are is so far away from the starting point. I just want to try to figure out where that starting point is. Yeah. And so from inside, it looks like people are leaving the church and some of them are, but I think a lot of them are trying to say, hey, this doesn't, this is wrong. This has come off course. This is like disinformed. Like, let's take a step back. What should this really be? And it's kind yeah. of like, I think there's these people who are, are saying, doing what I'm doing and saying, okay, what's the original, what's that starting point that this whole cloud has like moved away from? Right. You? And I think that that's where you get like this, I like this kind of sense or notion from the conservative evangelicals like, We're losing the young people. traitors fading. Like yada, yada, yada. Like kind of like decrying. Oh no, people are like becoming more secular. Ah. Yeah. And really it's. Yeah.
1: It almost kind of sounds like when you say that phrase, like, oh, leaving the church is this completely negative thing that either you did something wrong or that you're in the wrong. And not looking at necessarily that whether it's the church in general or a particular church or a particular denomination that it's not bad to always walk away from something in yeah. your life. Mm-hmm. It yeah. can be good for you. You could A person could you know, quote unquote leave the church for a period of time if they need to step away for that time or that season in their life, or maybe it's that that church is not a good fit. Or that the church in general, it's just not, you know, a good fit for them, or for whatever reason. But it's almost making it seem like, like when people say leaving the church, that it's just this completely bad thing. And to bring, you know, a term that, you know, especially Brian and I heard growing up in the AG, that, you know, like you're backsliding.
0: Oh, gosh. Yeah, (laughs) I don't know. When you ask about, like, why are people leaving the church... My question right now at this point in my life is: Well, what were they doing in the church to start with? True. Yeah. Were they brought there because they had a need that the church was meeting? Were they just born into it, and that was their inherited vocabulary?
1: Pretty much.
0: Yeah, maybe that too,
4: or assuage guilt.
0: Yeah, but like, yeah, like I'm leaving the church. Like, why? Why? Okay, cool. But why were you there? Yeah. To start with, and 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 if you are under the impression that you're supposed to start in the church and then leaving it is the event and not joining it is the event, then then who told you so? Who told you that you're supposed to start, you know, or or uh, find yourself in a place of affiliation with the church?
5: I feel like that feels similar to like my journey. Like, so I was raised Catholic and then was introduced to evangelicalism and was like. I'm in love, guys. Um, and I was <laughs> With like, a man. Oh, yes. And his name it is Jesus. Jesus. Um, so it was kind of like what Eric was saying. Um, I was trying to find the truest form of whatever it is, whatever it was. The yeah. But the, the closer you get to finding the truer form of whatever it is, the more you realize how f- how far away the church really is. Mm-hmm. And the church is so far away that it can't come back. Yeah. And so. You become the asshole who uh, who brings up stuff like that. At like but really, that's no, it's not historically accurate. And someone's like, "Fuck you, it's my faith." You know, yeah. like i it's what I believe. You know, it's my it's my my. But if you look at the truth. original
4: Greek, oh, you're a sinner. You shouldn't read that shit. Um, King
5: James only. But the the deeper you look into Ooh. the history of Christianity, like particularly first century Christianity, is my mm-hmm. jam. So like. When you look at that, it's, you can't even say like, "What did Christianity look like?" Well, it didn't look like anything. It looked like a bunch of different things, because there was a bunch of different kinds of faith, a bunch of different kinds of beliefs that weren't codified yet. So it was a very fluid, interesting thing. And then a bunch of p- rich, rich people got there. They were like, "We're gonna make this thing something that we can do, so we can make money and we can rule over people." And then it became this big, awful thing, like everything always does. Let
2: me pivot.
5: Let me pivot to this. What if Jesus you, what what was your, your neighbor? <laughs> what if God was one of us? That was
2: everything that was through our head. <laughs> what if God <laughs> was a slob like us? It's a good song, then.
3: Yeah, it was. Just no. a
0: stranger
3: on, on the bus, bus
2: trying
4: to make his,
3: his way home.
4: <laughs> I'm the only one that doesn't know that song. You don't know that song? <laughs> what? Where have you Sorry. been in the 90s, you <laughs> 90s kid? Oh, yeah. I was homeschooled. I was homeschooled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, enough, yeah. So, enough, enough, enough said. Now you use that. Enough said, Eric.
5: He, he was homeschooled. Yeah, that's an excuse. Like, oh, I, I was homeschooled. Was all, those, all of us
2: were like, singing the song, and you listen, and Eric's like, what? What <laughs> just happened? It was a it was
5: a popular no, like it was oh, a popular God. pop song in the nineties.
0: Oh yeah, I was not allowed to listen to that. Who's saying it? it's funny to say, but like for real, the for Mormon. Real, he was homeschooled. The I poor guy. Who?
4: Joe Osborne.
0: Oh, <laughs> the Mormon. Uh, oh
4: no, I was thinking of the Osmonds. No, no not they're Mons, right? Yes, yes they, they are. are. Right? No, uh, my
2: I guess to pivot. I guess the question I would have is: Is there hope? No, for the American church. <laughs> Jump. And see you next time. <laughs>
3: Way to jump in there without even knowing the answer. Without even knowing the question.
0: <laughs> so that was the question. Is there, is there hope? Is there that's hope just of, no. of the American church
1: the as it is now? Or what the American church can become? I got,
2: I mean, and that's an open-ended yeah, question. Mean I, mean, I, mean, I don't know what you mean by that. It
1: doesn't have the distinct
3: nostalgic is, is there hope for what it was? No.
2: It, it's no. Now. I, and I mean, and that, it was an open-ended question us. purposely for the sake of...
5: Anything too stupid to be said is song. Remember that.
2: Facil- facilitating it. Did you just show them the lyrics to the song? Nice.
4: Uh, one. Of the, the songwriter's name is Eric Bazillion. Oh, he's worth a bazillion dollars because <laughs> of that song. <laughs>
2: That's his name, Eric Bazillion. Now he's gonna text us and be like, "Yeah, you said my name." <laughs> no,
3: um, say my name.
5: Say my
4: name. <laughs> oh, sorry, off the rails. This is
2: another '90s song. No, we should just be a '90s pop song. Another night, pop, guys. pop song. That'd be fun. No, but I That'd think, I think yeah. what I mean by hope is more or less is is there hope for the churches of, of what kind of what we see as as the church. Like, is there hope for it to be a positive thing in people's lives? And I'm not necessarily seeing your life per se. You can definitely put yourself in there. But do you see just thinking in a futuristic or like in a futurist standpoint, not futuristic per se, but trying to see beyond that, like horizon. Do you think literally in like now it's 2020, do you see 10 years, 15, 20 years down the road? Is there hope for the church, or are we going to, in our lifetime, that you're going to have more people that are irreligious, unreligious, whatever you want to say, nuns, you know, church is something of the past that people
4: don't really adhere to as a lot of people adhere to now. I would say, I don't think there's hope for, quote, capital, the church, as it exists right now. I think that... It's going to continue on the path that it's going. Um, I think there's hope for a church or actually I'll rephrase that. I think there's hope for types of churches.
2: Yeah.
4: Maybe that's not even the right way. I would say there's hope for types of authentic manifestations and expressions of belief. Mm. I don't think that large-scale institutionalized will-tell-you-what-to-think formats are going to have the same kind of like 90s televangelism success that they have had in the past. Um... I think there's too many people who are becoming too self-actualized and too self-empowered to fall prey to the guilt and shaming of an organization that tells them what to do. I'd like to think that's
5: optimistic, but I think we're actually swinging the opposite way. We're well, towards screw you. <laughs> like, look at like Trump, Brexit. Um, like, It seems like people are scared right now. And so yeah. they're just electing assholes who will say anything to get elected. Like, all Trump had to do to get elected was to be like, what do you want, evangelicals? No more abortions? You got it. That's all they had to do. I and mean, they were right behind him. I mean, that's awful. But
4: that's Yeah, but how many of those people are going to be dead in 20 years?
5: Mm-hmm. You no, know, there's a whole new resurgence of, like, young people who are very, 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 very conservative.
3: Yeah, there is.
5: <sighs> yeah, it's scary. So it's, it's I mean... I feel like we're living in a time where, like look at China. China's social media is so controlled. How do you control a billion people? Well, they're doing it pretty damn well.
4: Yeah. And my you know it's I said. My but there's friend, no church there either. There is. The Chinese state church. Well, yeah, but that looks a lot wow, well, I was gonna say that looks a lot different the Catholic, than our church, the but church. Maybe not China too. But I mean and that's another whole rabbit trail yeah. too, but, but that's not something where any of those are experts. Well, right. Yeah.
2: But then even like my good friend Scotty who who's been on the podcast but he's a minister in Europe you know, he. It's scary because in okay. Germany, in Germany, in in um, France, and other countries, you have a huge swing of, of right wing ideology, right wing po- politics. So, so you see that. Like, and I agree with Josh Foley. Like, I think there's segments of with, of Christianity that will prosper and do well, but I. It's sad, but I'm not very optimistic about it. I'm very pessimistic. I'm very... Um, I think ministries, I would say, like, I'm going to shout out Revolution, what Jay mm-hmm. does. I think what we do, is sacred collective, and a whole host of other groups. I think what Harley does, who we've interviewed, he does a heavy metal church service where down in Corpus Christi, where he's at. So shout out to Harley. Um, you know, things like that. I think those parts of church... Christianity, spirituality, I think those things are going to continue to do well and thrive. But as someone who's, I mean, my doctorate is in church leadership. I've studied the trends up and down within church. And yes, being away from that for five years now, I've, I've not grown optimistic Yeah. And in those five years. I'm continuing to study that and to con- yeah. continue studying theology and church trends and you know, I, I'm, I'm fascinated about the church because I've grown up in it and I've dedicated, quote-unquote, most of my life to it. But when you look at it's like when you look at the data, like if a scientist or a doctor looks at the data and they see something negative, they're going to call it out and say, hey, this isn't good, right? I mean, that's they're, they're called to that standard. And I feel as people in, in the church, if we see that same kind of stuff, we need to call it out, too. We need to say, hey... this isn't very good like the numbers aren't very good the trajectory of what we're doing is not very good and i feel like myself and among a whole host of other people within christianity are saying that and i would say the majority of people are just twiddling their thumbs to be like meh whatever it's fine and i think that kind of mentality that we have and like what you said josh with how many people were just like oh you know this person who's running for president says that he's not going to have abortions anymore. Let's vote for them. Without any other, you know, caveat.
5: Like, he's the least populous president on the planet. Like
2: Right, right. Like, and so I think all you put all those kind of things together.
5: Every breathy taste is like a spit in Jesus' eye. You know? Yeah,
2: and it's like, it's not very optimistic. And I was actually talking with a co-worker today at church, and she's very more conservative Baptist and, and I said something because she was raging, like, against her church and, you know, pastors and stuff like that. And I said, I feel like if Jesus was walking here on earth right now, I said, I feel like Jesus would go into most churches. And I said, regardless of denomination, and do, like, when he was in the temple with the money changers and when he went ape shit. I said, I guarantee you almost every church that Jesus would walk into, he would just flip it over and be like, you are not doing this for the right reasons you're doing it for yourself you're doing it all for selfish reasons and then everyone would be like well
0: well
2: we did it for you and jesus would be like no you didn't you're not doing this for me you're doing it for yourselves
0: yeah well
4: he's he said that too he was like to people who were like oh well we did this we did that and he was like depart from me i never knew you yeah and so maybe i mean i guess you you take that literally Here's my question to you, saying that you're not optimistic. Um, what's your kind of qualification or based on it? Because I would I would propose that maybe it is optimistic, that maybe it's a good thing that in 20, 30, 50, 100 years from now the American church will die and like something better will come out of it. Cause if you have like using kind of like your Dr. Health analogy, like if you have something where you're saying there's something happening, and a bunch of things are fleeing from it. Like let's use let's use the Australian wildfires as an example. There's fires happening and there are people and animals and stuff fleeing and like dying. No sane person is going, okay, how can we get more people and animals to go back into the fire? Like the fire is the problem. They're leaving, there's a reason they're leaving. And that's what we need to change. We don't need to say how do we get them back into the fire? We say, how do we get rid of the fire? Right. So maybe what we need to be saying is, how do we get rid of the current American church? Yeah, And how do we get something that mm. is what the people actually want? All these people that are leaving, yeah. they're leaving for good reasons. They're not yeah. leaving because they've been possessed no, by Satan. No, that's a good, very good point here. Yeah. So they're leaving because of good reasons. Yeah. How do we address those reasons and get rid of the mm. what they're leaving and address why they're leaving? Instead of saying... Because I feel like that's what churches are doing. They're saying, yeah. how do we get people back into the pews, but we don't want to change anything. We want to change the people that left. Like, that's the wrong... Mm-hmm. We're not... We shouldn't be looking at how to change the people that are leaving the church. We need to learn... I'm saying we loosely, loosely, mean. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I don't necessarily consider myself part of that we, but the church needs to... Instead of saying, we need to change all of these people that are leaving and get them to come back, a better question is... How do we change or how do we use that as as a lesson and say they're leaving because they're not getting something or they're not they're getting what lack. they need. There's mm-hmm. a lack. So what do they need and how do we provide that? Because that's, mm-hmm. that's what the church should be. The church should be a place that people go, not that people leave.
0: Yeah. What? 100%. Something that I am trying to do with revolution is... Uh, this idea of reclaiming things, reclaiming terms, reclaiming uh, concepts, narratives, stories, literature. And um, I guess what I'm trying to respond to is the question about American Christianity. Like if we're gonna, I, I think it can thrive and that it can continue to be sustained, but a lot of things need to be redefined, reclaimed, re-examined, reevaluated, um, otherwise, we can throw it out and, and build something new, like Eric was just saying, but if we want to, if we want to, or, or or if we, not even if we want to, but if we do end up retaining a lot of those um, terms and uh, and institutions that we already had to start with, then we really need to do some reconstructing, I think. Are you going to say something,
2: Ryan? No, no, I was just, part of me was just thinking and, I mean, kind of agreeing with both what you and eric said where i think and i mean i purposely left that open-ended to to more facilitate the conversation but i think we need and this is in my gut and in my heart i think we need they're they're part of kind of capital church if we think about not church universal but like what we think of church like going on a sunday you know whatever regardless of denomination, there's some good churches, there's good ministries, there's good things like that. I'm not saying that there are, you know, I'm not trying to say every church or every ministry is bad, but I do think we're at a pivotal time in our culture where, you know, and I know like deconstruction is a hot button word, but I do think within the church itself, it does need to deconstruct. And I think some denominations, I think some A lot of Christians and and non-Christians and, you know, a a lot of people are deconstructing uh, long-held beliefs, whether it was inherited through family, through whatever. But I do think that if Christianity, or also the church, is going to thrive in, in Christianity, or not even thrive, but just to continue being relevant, it needs to go under under construction you know it needed to go under the microscope it needs to reformulate itself and i feel like and i know a lot of times we have our frustrations with evangelicalism because a lot of us were raised in that but i'm gonna call out evangelicalism i'm gonna call out mainline protestantism um because both of these kind of streams within christianity they get some of the points and then they don't get a lot of the points and You know, it's going back and forth of their theology or that theology. They're conservative. They're liberal. Whatever. They're politically this way. They're politically that way. And it just gets lost. They it's finger pointing. And where where I get mad is I'm like, you're not doing the kind of mandate that I feel like Jesus tells us to do is to love one another, to feed the poor, you know, or feed the hungry, clothe the poor, you know, help the homeless and none of us are really doing that some people are some churches are but it, we're we're failing at it and it it bothers me when i myself and among countless others try to call that try to speak that 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 to that power and then everyone rejects us and everyone is like oh no you don't you know you, you don't know what you're talking about and that's why i, I am very pessimistic at this kind of iteration of Christianity in our in our country is I, I'm not very optimistic about it and I'm not saying that I don't have hope at all but I'm very pessimistic because you know I've been a part of it for almost 37 years since I was been a kid and I'm I, yeah it's just I mean lack of a better phrase I'm just very pessimistic about it and if I'm someone who's grown up in the church my whole life and is still clinging on to it to it to a degree, what, is the, what, what, are we, what are we offering? We're not not all of us, but what are we as the church offering other people that makes it relevant to them, that makes it important to them, that makes it something
5: that they care about? And we're not really doing anything. So this may be remind a reminder of a Bonhoeffer quote from Letters and Papers from Prison. You guys, have you guys heard this one? Uh, may I read it? it? Please. It says, Anxious souls will ask what room there is left for God now and as they know of no answer to the question they condemn the whole development that has brought them to such straits um he's talking about the holocaust like after this it'd be very easy for anyone to see this development and say there's no room left for god in my life and Mm, yeah and who brought us here the churches the churches were leading the way, you know?
3: They got to bed with Hitler, for sure. The Catholic Church definitely did. Yeah. And then, and then they finally figured it out. By then, it was too late. He had too much power.
5: <clears throat> but, I mean, that's what we're doing.
3: That's what we're doing right now. Yeah. Content, Although,
5: we're condemning the whole development that has brought us to this situation.
3: Yeah. Though I must say that the late-night people are having a lot of fun with this particular administration and gotten quite creative, I have to say. So, oh yeah, cartoons. Yeah, I
5: feel. I feel like we have to keep reminding ourselves that this isn't normal. Yeah, <laughs> and it shouldn't be normal. No, you know? it shouldn't be normal mm. at
3: all. Actually, it's just crazy ridiculous. I watched. I, okay, whatever people think about Howard Stern, whatever. I I watched his his interview with Hillary Clinton that he did like not that long ago on YouTube, and it was a really good interview. And holy crap. (laughs) When I was listening to it, I was like, so that really did happen. The whole thing with Russia and the whole, all all, that all. I mean, if you listen to her talk about it, it's insane how it all came together and how we let it happen and how Facebook is doing nothing to fix all of the the stupid crappy ads that are popping up and where the hell people are getting them from, I don't even know.
5: Yeah, and the, but, so, the second in charge this week said that he, they might help get Trump elected a second time. Who said that? The second in command at Facebook.
3: So obviously Facebook has their own agenda. But... Um,
5: <clears throat> we we'll make more money because of them.
3: It's true.
2: Our, our political offices is all well, the last... 50 to 70 years has all been about money it's not been about what they're going to do for our country it's about who's going to pay them the most mm-hmm. i mean because you look at all of our presidents when they've left office and they've all had six seven figure deals for books for speaking engagements for mm-hmm. whatever and i'm like you're not for the quote-unquote people you're in it for yourself let's be honest i don't care if you're a christian and an atheist you know, whatever. I don't care what what you are. You're doing it for the money. You're not doing it for, quote unquote, the American people. That you well, power. Yeah, it's power. The mo to me to be to want to run to the biggest office in in the nation, if not the world. You're a megalomaniac. That just got heavy. Maybe we should do recommendations. <laughs> I'm sure people are gonna. T- Email and be like, that was just really heavy. We're at the start of a really big day. By the way, I, I, <laughs> I can't I say. I know that song. I will say this. Uh, we did get some fan mail.
1: Oh, <gasps> um, do share.
2: I will. Um,
0: yeah, mom. it said that we want a free cruise to the Caribbean. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> press one. Press one for more information. Yeah. Uh, was it for my mom. Sacred Collective's going on a tour for three months just to let everyone know. No, um, somebody actually from my church listens, and we have a fan, um, so I want to shout out, because I know she listens, Renee Fenning. Hey, Renee. Um, what up, Renee? Renee? What up, Renee? How you doing? Uh, hey, she, Renee. she's a 74-year-old. Damn, you're looking good, Renee. Oh, okay, <laughs> sorry, Renee that's a little, that's kid okay. <laughs> we've all had a little bit to drink, <laughs> let <laughs> um, hey, me trying to spice it up, man. You don't like Renee. You know Renee country. though, you know Renee. Yeah, I know from, Renee. From, from I like Renee. Conference. I do like Renee. <laughs> Renee's good times. Um oh, no, she she listens to this. us. She's she's a good dear friend of mine and she really I wanna she said very kind words, she really likes our podcast, she really feels like we're on to something. And not only it's nice to get compliments from people our own age, but mm-hmm. to get a compliment from somebody in their mid seventies. Is very uh, very humbling, very yeah. cool, but also they were saying our last, one of our last interviews um, with Harley Ma- Harley Dean Matthews. Yep, um, we interviewed him. So if you're, you're listening to this and you haven't listened to our, our episode with Harley, go back and listen. Um, but he, we got a, this. This um, Renee gave us a really nice compliment of how. What he's doing and like his heavy metal church service. Yeah, Harley's cool. Um, once once a month down in Corpus Christi, Texas, where he's at. So shout out to Harley. I think that's twice we shouted at him. Also, way to go, Harley. Um, I like, wish she lived here. I wish she could come. Harley's good times. He's a religion. he's a fellow age year like Amanda and I growing up. And no, but just like she was really just um impressed with like some of the people we have on and like their stories and she's just really excited about the stories we do have and she just thought it was really cool that you know there's other people out there like ourselves that are trying to make connections with people so that they can feel comfortable and accepted in church however that is and recommendations who wants to go first I'll
1: go
3: I was just thinking about it and I totally recommend that. The interview that Howard Stern did with Hillary Clinton, it was actually really, really good. When did that come out? It, I don't, I don't know when it came out. I just randomly found it on YouTube. Like it showed up in my feeds. Is it like from eighty
5: two so, or ninety or two? <laughs> no, no, no. It was like recent. Oh, so within recent? the last week. Like,
3: yeah, sorry. It was they've around for a while. Yes, yeah, I know, I know, but it was it was within the last couple months actually, because it was to promote her book, the the book of gutsy women that she wrote with mm-hmm. her daughter. And so, but it was, like, two hours long, so, you know, it's a little bit of a time commitment, but when you are sick and you don't feel like doing anything, that works. So it was, I thought it was a really good interview, and he wasn't doing his normal jock-shock stuff. He actually kind of doesn't do that stuff anymore, but it's very thought-provoking, and I was like, oh, that really happened. Why do we have this person in charge right now? Like, how did that happen? So... Explains a lot of different
4: things. I think. Um. Well, one point to you: mm-hmm. you were sick. I, my suggestion is that you need to pray more. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just Watch me idea. roll my eyes.
1: <laughs> I and felt those. And apples. do heroin. Um, oh yeah.
4: I do <laughs> um, I not
2: endorse that. I do not endorse make that. You that feel better, though. <laughs>
1: my
4: suggestion is a new Netflix series. Called Marianne. Oh, I've seen it. So good. Terrifying as shit. But so good. So good. So, so good. well done. Extremely well. Like, extremely good cinematography. Amazing acting. Like, super compelling. Like, terrifying. Yeah, you probably pee yourself. Ew, Absolutely terrifying. Like, get full.
3: It's terrifying. Get full like...
4: body wow. goosebumps multiple times per episode. I agree. <laughs> like, I it's like... so good. It's in French. I suggest watching it with subtitles. I did, yes. I um, agree. Good call. Yeah, it's great. It's terrifying. It's good.
5: I no, totally I mean, they, the they have a dubbed
2: version of it. Yeah, they have a dubbed version but, also. But the, oh. the
5: actors who did that aren't nearly as good as the actors
2: of the show. No. I watched it in French, which English subtitles. That's the best way to go.
5: Yeah.
3: Good call. Way
5: there. A... Subtitles are always better than dubbing. Yes. Yeah, true. Um, I would recommend not watching the BBC Netflix series Dracula. Oh, an anti-recommendation. The the first episode is excellent. The second episode is also pretty well. And the third one, they shit the bed and then they try to take the bed to a ball. It's terrible. Do you like the guy who played Dracula, though? Not in the third episode. In the third episode, it felt like I was watching a completely different series with...
2: It After. felt so campy, am I right? Oh, yeah. The first two episodes, you're like, oh, I, this is legit, I get it. And then you watch the third one, you're like, what am I watching? Yeah, you're like, what did they do? Is this, is, to... this a, is this
5: a funny? Is this a joke? <laughs> yeah, uh, no,
2: yeah. Are yeah,
1: yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. you yeah. having a laugh? Are you having a giggle?
0: <laughs> Are you tickling my
5: tummy? <laughs> probably gonna, <laughs> it's
0: probably
2: going
5: to get picked up for season two, you know? <laughs> well, maybe they can go back and they have a time machine and go back before the end where commit <laughs> <giving> suicide. <laughs>
1: So anyways, my recommendation is season two of the show Making It is out.
2: <gasps> it is? It's Amy so good. Miller
1: and Nick Offerman. It is so good. Brian and I just finished it. We will not mention anything.
2: Fantastic. Um, is it, To what, spoil
1: anything. What's it on?
2: What service is it on? Hulu. Hulu. Well, well, it's, it's on NBC, NBC, but if you have Hulu, yeah. it's all of them are on. So it's I thought it was pronounced Hula. You're drunk, Caleb. Go oh. home.
1: But yes, it's it's very good. It, it's just really cool because there's there's some people who they have had jobs or their degree is in the art field, and then there's a guy who's like an engineer and um who does incorporates robotic stuff in it. There's like this 19 year old kid who's amazing you know with all the stuff that he does. So I mean it's just a really great show. Let's go and watch it. It's called Making It. So they have different uh they have like a shorter time limit like a 3 hour like project that you know faster they say craft. yeah, faster craft and then they have like a master craft where they have like a whole day like type thing and then you know they got bake off. Yeah, Arthur and then Krantz. like you're then they eliminate oh, people and you end up and then you end up with that. one, you know, final master um, crafter. Cool. But it's a very good show. Cool.
2: Now, um, two podcast recommendations. I thought you just said Tupac. <laughs> I
1: mean, yeah, that's what <laughs> Tupac, recommendation. Tupac recommendations. That's, that's where he went. That's,
0: that's a deep is,
2: cut right
5: there.
0: Tupac. I don't think Tupac is a deep
2: cut. <laughs> he, he still lives in my heart. Uh, next no. to Jesus. And Philly. And Philly? <laughs> 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 I was born in West Philadelphia... Born and, and raised. Oh, jeez. Just give us
4: your recommendation. No. Do you remember that or?
2: Mm. Kis- yes, I know Fresh
4: Prince. <laughs> Thank you very much. Oh, oh hip hop music. A show too was far. To watch.
2: <coughs> We're going off the rails. Stop. I want to give my recommendations, to Caleb. <laughs> he being super defensive about homeschool. That's what benefits you. I was
4: homeschool. I can pick and choose what I want to. Buy. I you
2: you knew. Buy you knew Fresh Prince, but you didn't. Go smell you later. No? <laughs> yeah. I, I walked up to nice. a house about seven or eight. <laughs> yeah. Okay, okay. <laughs> two podcasts I want to recommend. The first one, I haven't even told you about this man, it's good. It's called Blood Ties.
1: You did tell me about it because um, I saved
2: it. It's about I'll just say quickly, it's only like a six episode like little mini limited series. Um, but the two main actors who do it is Josh Gad. Who is more known as Olaf from Frozen um, and other things? He's he a lot of
0: stuff. He's very.
2: Yeah, he's really so, in our
1: house. He is he's no he's very house. successful. Yeah.
2: And he's really good. And it's just really weird to hear him cursing up a storm compared to all the kids and family movies he's in. <laughs> Hearing him curse, it's funny. <coughs> and then the actress, uh, Gillian Jacobs, she was in the show called Love on Netflix. Which Gill- is, it's Gillian. Oh, Gillian. Sorry, Gillian. Gillian Jacobs. And Community. And she was in Community, so they're the two people that um, are in it, and it's really good. The other podcast that I want to highly recommend, since Amanda made me think of it, um, it's called In Bed with Nick and Megan. So wow. it's Nick Offerman and his wife, uh, the comedian and actress Megan Mullally. Um, they Who Park. is Tammy number two on Parks
4: and Rec. Yes. And oh, she's yeah.
2: also... In Will and Grace as the assistant, which is still probably my favorite thing she's ever been in. And literally their podcast is them sitting in their bed in their pajamas interviewing people. Um, They've interviewed Will Forte, Lisa Kudrow, Jenna Fisher, and a lot of people that they were in TV shows with. But it's absolutely hilarious. I mean, I've actually probably tinkled my pants a couple times at work (laughs) listening to it. So, if you're. That the... you was you refer
1: to as wetting the bed. Oh,
2: yeah, that exactly, Amanda. I've wet the bed. Be good. Them. I've wet my boxers. <laughs>
1: so... <laughs> I don't wash my
2: clothes. My wife washes my tinkle drawers for me. My tinkle drawers? My tinkle, drawers. <laughs> tinkle drawers. Oh,
0: oh wife, I have a batch of tinkle, tinkle
2: <laughs> drawers. <laughs>
0: Freshly
4: prepared.
2: Uh, we're not going to get Aww. any likes on this episode oh, we're gonna get a ton of likes so yes those we're two terrible. podcasts anybody else are we all done
4: i'm gonna add a second one um i'm only like 50 pages into this book but i'm loving the <laughs> hell out of it it's called big magic by oh shit i hope i get her name right elizabeth gilbert she wrote eat pray love Okay. Hmm. which i did not read Um, I got this book on the recommendation of a couple other people who had it on their kind of, like, year-end best books that they read last year list. And I was like, all right, I'll give it a try. It's phenomenal. Her writing is super cool. I can tell why Eat, Pray, Love was a bestseller. Um, But this book is about, like, basically it's about... um, Eating, praying... No, no, no. No, no, no. It's called Big Magic. Loving. Yes. No, no, no. Big Magic. It's about, like, basically manifesting creativity in the face of fear. Oh, cool. Um, Very cool. And not like, oh, you're a painter, you're an artist, or, like, doing, like, the art, but, like, creativity just in the way of, like, having ideas and, like, going for them. Like, you got an idea for something creative, you've got an idea for art, you've got an idea for a business, you've got an idea for a podcast, you've got an idea for just, like, something to do around the house, like, whatever it is, like, it's about, like, just going for it. And it's like really cool. It's like really empowering. It's yeah, it's cool. It's a good book. Cool. Until next time. Yeah. <laughs> Bye. Bye.
1: Thanks for being part of our conversation. To continue the conversation, find us on social media at Sacred MN.
0: Hi, I'm Caleb with Post-Christian Podcasting. If you enjoyed this show, you might also like another Post-Christian Podcast. Everyone's Autonomous with Marie de Delafont.
1: It's, it's scary to think about not knowing, not being. Yeah and, and and that's fair and that probably should be conversations that we're having instead of making up a sky daddy.
5: I think I think humankind would be f- much further along and better off if we hadn't made up these stories about yeah what's after death because yeah. it doesn't help anyone right. It gives you a false narrative, a false sense of security. It's not true, it's not real. It's not helping anyone. No. And as I've said many times, when you have that false narrative in place, then by default, it's going to minimize the one life you do know you have. Right. And that's what my message is more about than anything else, is dying out loud, talking about that is more about talking about living out loud, right. so that you're grabbing all that life has to offer and not postponing things because you've got some eternal life down the road. Right. You don't live this life, goddammit. it.
0: Right. That was a post-Christian podcast.